We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition, brought to you by NoHalftime.com. I'm John McKechnie, and uh, with me here every week, my my good buddy and resident college football guru, Mario Puig. Mario, how was your week? Uh, I'm tired already. It's uh, <laughs> I won't say it's been bad because the bad always happens on Saturday, but um, I don't know. I, I assume it will get bad. Yeah, th- that might be the case. Uh, you know, this w- this week's slate, uh, not quite as uh, enticing as last week's, but uh, it is my dad's birthday, so I'm in a pretty good mood, feeling good, looking forward to, to getting this podcast going here. Happy birthday, John's dad. <laughs> he has the same name as me, actually. Uh, happy birthday, John. <laughs> All righty. Well, before we uh, hop into the week four stuff, I uh, just want to touch on a few, you know, quick things, you know, that kind of jumped out to me. Uh, from this past week, uh, did you happen to to get a chance to watch much of the uh, Houston Cincinnati game? No, uh, you were telling me a little bit about it, and I looked at the box score after it was over, and I was like, "Aha, 
Houston just pummeled them for like the whole game, and then yeah, you you mentioned it went a little differently than that. Yeah, he uh, since he I, I think they might have had a brief fourth quarter lead. I think they were losing going into the fourth. I thought it was twelve to ten since he, uh, Houston was winning going into the fourth. That uh, sounds right. And yeah, but th- then they won by forty or whatever. Yeah, a couple of Hayden Moore pick sixes. I mean, even Gunner Keel was unearthed from the you know the catacombs of Cincinnati just to hand the ball off <laughs> somehow. Like, so that was a strange game. I, I was a little bit worried about uh, how Greg Ward looked. Um, his, his shoulder didn't look 100% to me. He looked right. a little bit off on a few of his throws, but, you know, uh, he'll have a long week to, to get back to it, and I think they only play, like, Texas State this week, so, I mean, right. they, we might see a, a good bit of Kyle Postma this week there. Uh, obviously, we got to do the weekly Lamar Jackson is God update. Um, wow. He's uh, still that, I guess. Um, yeah, I wasn't... I, I didn't. I didn't expect uh, Florida State to win that game by a lot, but I expected them to win it. And um, yeah, I, I just. What do I know? I mean, there was just, there was just nothing they could do once you know Jackson sort of you know kept the ball on a read and started you know dashing outside. Like it just felt like there was nothing Florida State could do, no matter how they schemed it up. It was just like. That was just Jackson's that's, game. Yeah, that's like that's how it was in the, uh, against Syracuse too. But it was kind of like, oh well, that's just because they're playing Syracuse. Right. But when you were watching, I was like, I don't know the, the theoretical way someone accounts for this sort of player though. Like uh, Jackson, um, as much as he's you know particularly lethal on the ground, he also, as, as people have noticed, he, he can put a lot of velocity, a lot of distance on a ball. Um, he, he, I don't know where his accuracy is at exactly relative to that. I, th- I don't think it's quite there yet. And like he made some. Uh, questionable reads against Syracuse but like yeah the, the the broader issue is it's just you can't account for containing him while also like keeping your safeties back to account for his deep throws and if you don't bite forward on, on the, the the read option type stuff that they do it's just an auto first down and if you do bite down he you know a you might not tackle him anyway b they're, they're going deep on you yeah, it's it's someone's probably going to figure out like a way to slow him a little bit, but unless he, you know, if he stays healthy, it's I just can't imagine him not getting the Heisman this year. Yeah, I, I can't wait for that for that Clemson game coming up in a couple weeks here. I think that'll sort of uh, cement things for him, almost like the way that like uh, the Jameis, uh, his freshman year, at Florida State, and when they when they waxed Clemson, it oh, sort yeah. of felt like okay, this is real, this is happening. So I feel like that you know that might be a thing. Uh, that that does occur, you know. I think that game is next week. Um, Man, I'm not picking Clemson in that. No, I, I don't no even way. need to know. I just, I just, I just. I mean, as long as long as Lamar's on that field, it's like I just can't see anybody stopping him. He's just. I've never seen somebody quite like him. I don't think it's. It is fantastic. It's definitely uh, probably my favorite early season development here. Um, another, uh, you know, team that's definitely. Uh, exceeding some expectations, not to the extent that Louisville is, but Ohio State uh, looks as good as they possibly, like on paper, you know, like, oh, they, they lost everybody, but they have all these all this talent. Does it immediately gel? Clearly it did. And, you know, JT Barrett's at the helm, uh, threw four touchdowns, uh, really efficient game. I think he was like 14 for 20 against Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma's in the trash can now. They're completely, you know. Yeah, do you, I don't, I don't really follow like team politics uh, closely enough to know, but like, is, is Stoops on the hot seat now? Like, he can't be. I think last year bought him some cachet. I think, um, 
you know, honestly, he might still like have some some goodwill from beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl years ago. He's but he's basically just like uh, appointed for life at this. At it this, fe- it feels yeah. like it. I, I don't really see unless they have like three consecutive down years. It's hard for me to see Stoops kind of uh, losing his grip on his job at OU because um, okay. I think OU's is an oddly difficult job. They don't quite have the recruiting area like in its own state the way that you know all the texas schools do so uh it's a little bit tougher to navigate that job and he does a good job of it and they beat alabama that one time yeah with trevor Knight. your extension yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much um let's see uh michigan state uh went into notre dame and beat up on them pretty good i thought that was uh something i was completely not expecting I thought Notre Dame was going to win that game. We we both thought they were going to cover though. Like Michigan we did State. because okay. I mean because yeah, I, it's a D'Antonio built machine. Yeah, that like does you, not you get might exploded. Have a fourteen point lead, but he's going to fake punt touchdown you <laughs> yep. at some point, and that's how he covers every single time. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't expecting them to beat them per se. Although I, I was I was not surprised by that. I was surprised at how thoroughly they seemed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, I'm definitely going to be on uh, Michigan State five and a half over Wisconsin this week. Right. Um, then let's see. Uh, Nebraska pulled off the really impressive win over Oregon. That was a crazy kind of back and forth game. That was uh, a lot of fun to watch. Sucks. That guy is so, man. just silly. He uh, he he. They got the first two point conversion and then they missed three in a row. Whereas like the whole point of the two point conversion is not so like you can get up. Like that way, if they kick a field goal, we'll win by two points. Like, no, it's you do that so that it just puts them in the position where it's an extra score that they need to get to to put to get over you. But instead, he was like, "Let's keep getting two pointers. Like, we're 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 going to be up eight seven on them, and like that way they they have that one point they have to cover, um, which is to say another score entirely." Um, but yeah, it's like he was just no. Uh, let's keep going. Let's let's see if we can negate. The advantage that we just gained here, um, and perhaps lose by I don't know three points. Yeah, um, and let, let's let's make sure to negate it as quickly as possible. But yeah, that was that was frustrating. Royce Freeman's uh, knee did did something final come out of that, or was it just like a low grade sprain? Um, they're not really sure yet. Uh, they're kind of keeping that under wraps. Uh, they're pretty quick to to release that Devin Allen's out for the season, and and the left tackle's also out for the season. Oof. So wh- whenever Freeman does come back, presumably uh, that he does, you know, not having that starting left tackle that apparently is pretty highly regarded uh that that definitely hurts the Oregon run game a good bit I was impressed by by who Oregon had running the ball uh behind Freeman you know yeah, once he went three out fast guys but yep. was like the biggest one but then uh, Brooks James and Todd Griffin are both quite fast yeah they were I was really kind of uh, blown away by their speed um another guy that that sort of jumped out to me um just, just a couple more of these. Uh, Jamon Moore from, from Missouri. Uh, you know, I'm a Georgia alum, so I was watching the watching okay. the uh, game, and I really didn't have a whole lot of expectations for what Mizzou was going to bring on the offensive end. But you know, Josh Heupel's got them running a really up tempo scheme right now, and Jamon Moore, uh, the Georgia's didn't have an answer for him. He had eight catches for 196 yards and two touchdowns, and he looked like an absolute uh, beast in doing it. I mean, it, nothing was a gimme. He was he was you know flat out burning the Georgia corners, um, and I think I think I was really impressed by Drew Locke too. Actually, yeah. uh, we'll get into that a little bit later uh, when we talk. 
talk about some season-long stuff, but he looks a lot bigger. He looks a lot more mature than he did last year when he really kind of looked like a deer in headlights. And then uh, James Washington, I mean, what else can you say? He had like over 200 uh, receiving yards in I think the first half alone against Pitt. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't remember the specifics, but it, there was something like that going on. Yeah. Uh, shenanigans one way or another. Yeah, so he is good uh, newsflash. Um, and then, you know, some other kind of disappointments. Cavante uh, Turpin from, from TCU. I know he's one of your favorite guys and has been for the past season and a half. Uh, it's tough to see him go down with a torn PCL. We don't really know how long he'll be out for. I don't really know how long that tends to shelve people for. Yeah, I don't know either. That could be a season ender. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, that, that, that sunk uh, Perriman, and he only had a sprained one, but I think he has some other knee issues. That was what Keenan Allen had, and it lingered for a while, but that, uh, yeah. No way to know how similar those three cases are, I guess. Right. Um, then uh, we already touched on Notre Dame being a disappointment. Uh, it was kind of a bummer to see App State kind of get boat raced. Uh, they were kind of one of my favorite uh, group of five teams uh, to watch. And, you know, it just sort of all collapsed in on itself in Boone, unfortunately. And then uh, Texas losing to Cal I thought was was a strange uh, game. I didn't see much of it, but I just thought it was – kind of weird that they that they weren't able to to stop Cal at least enough to where they can outscore them yeah I mean I I I for a long time wanted to be a fan of Charlie Strong and he he's still you know whatever likable enough but as a coach he's probably no better than average I think we can say because like you're yeah. you're a defense guy and that's what you put on the field um so yeah the defense isn't good at Texas the the offense is what's making them competitive right now so therefore I think we can conclude that Charlie Strong doesn't really have the strategy of of a truly top defensive coach like he just kind of had great personnel at Louisville and Florida so uh yeah but then the worst thing is after the game he was he was doing one of those uh well you know what next time we have a flight like this going somewhere I, I I want everybody wearing suits I want them treated like a business trip not wearing sweatpants like that's it that's why you lost what if, if only you had seen this sooner um but no I, I just i hate that stuff where it's like it's he's he's like very sneakily and maybe even not consciously trying to deflect responsibility by doing that like oh i think i think part of why we lost might have been like the stuff we were wearing on a plane before the game yeah we were we were being cool guys party guys on the plane yeah it's like it's it's like not even superstitious it's just like a deliberately dumb stance to take right like it's uh yeah it's like i think it i think it just lessened our uh work ethic by, by wearing uh saggy pants or something i don't know anyway it's it's his fault it's not the clothes fault and uh that he he should realize that Absolutely. So if there's one takeaway from from today's pod, it's definitely, you know, that uh, Charlie Strong uh, really, really kind of hurt his uh, credibility with us because, I mean, the the close take was terrible, actually. I mean, if my picks this week are bad, though, that very well could be because of the shirt that I'm wearing Um, and the hat. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's going in the fire. If if we get, <laughs> I did a little better last week, but I just, there was still uh, I went like four and three, but a few of the the three were like so wrong. Um, it was just baffling. It was like Wisconsin, Florida State, and uh, well, the Baylor Baylor 
Oh, Baylor Rice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot that my my initial reason for being insanely mad last week. Yep, that was uh, a hashtag bad beat. That yeah. was that was pretty painful. Um, but all right, let's get into into this week's slate a little bit. We got a strange one starting us off here. We got Clemson going down to Georgia Tech. Uh, Clemson nine and a half point road favorites. Uh, the over under is listed at fifty seven and a half. Some weird stuff though. Um, Clemson, I believe, has lost like five straight at Georgia Tech or something. I hate hearing about stuff like that because, like, I don't, I don't. See, it doesn't seem like it could be for any reason other than like random. Uh, like, I tend you to know, feel like that bad way too. teams were on the road that year mm-hmm. or something. I tend to feel that way too for the most part. But like Georgia Tech is sort of like this own like strange entity of oddness that yeah. um, I think that like you can almost bank on it a little bit. So. Those option teams can make things get stupid better I mean, than look what happened. Look what happened in the Florida State game last year. I mean, that was up at Bobby Dodd Stadium. And like, this is a totally different sort of context. But like, New Mexico beating Boise last year. Oh like, God, that's no, right. That's impossible. It didn't happen. But it, it, I don't know. All the records say that it did. I, I don't believe. I still them. don't believe them. Um, I will go to the Library of Congress about this. But um, yeah. So I mean, what's your read on this game? I kind of get the sense that Georgia Tech. I mean, obviously. I can't tell you one thing about them from their wins because they've played, you know, Boston College and Dublin and, you know, some other, you know, no-name teams or, you know, just kind of... They did beat Vanderbilt 38-7, to which makes me think... I don't know. I feel like Vandy's defense is probably pretty sound, so that's that's kind of interesting, but I just don't... I don't know. It feels like every game with Georgia Tech, it's like just a dice roll. Like Like, sometimes they're just they're just tough to stop and if if you let them get up on you a little bit it's hard to get traction against them right but if if it's the other way around they'll bury themselves with you know their inability to throw the ball reliably um i think Dabo had a great uh quote this week he he was like i would like someone asked him about justin thomas the the georgia tech quarterback and he's like i wish he wasn't so accurate and i I believe justin thomas is uh 19 of 38 this season yeah, he is. To be fair, it's uh, it, it, their average depth of target is probably oh, like sure. four yards. But uh, no, he's not a very accurate quarterback. I that was just. I thought it was just. A if he was an accurate quarterback, things. he wouldn't be playing quarterback for Georgia Tech. This is true. All right, so but their defense all... seems pretty good, I guess statistically. So yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm probably not going to approach the spread on this one just because. Uh, yeah, road game for Clemson. They've been uneven to say the least. Georgia Tech can make things wacky. Um, yeah, maybe. Something you know, Clemson might wear too baggy of clothes on the way over. You don't want it, that. It's all too risky for me to, to take a side on that. But I, I mean, I do expect Clemson to win. Fair enough. I think I will go the bold route. I think it might just be the the bold blend coffee I'm drinking right now. But uh, I think you know Georgia Tech, they might cover this puppy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go out on a limb and say. Yeah, Georgia Tech, weird Thursday night game at home against a team that, you know, obviously they blew the doors off of South Carolina State last week, but, I mean, they literally had to shorten that game. It was such a beating. So nothing really to, to gain from that. I, I will lean Georgia Tech uh, giving or getting a 9.5. Um, so then we're going to move on to Friday. Uh, we got TCU 21-point favorites at SMU. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, SMU is a bit of a mess because they lost Matt Davis for the season. The backup quarterback, Ben Hicks, has been pretty awful, including a game against Liberty last week. Like, when he struggled against Baylor, that was like, eh, that's a, that is a sure. tough first start to make. But 
when you get to the Liberty part of the schedule, you, you kind of want to show something, especially because he's a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. uh, or I think he is anyway. Um, but yeah, uh, SMU, also Xavier Jones, their lead running back, has missed the last two games with hamstring trouble. I don't know if we're going to find out anything on him before that game. Uh, but on the other hand, tech, yeah, TCU obviously losing Turpin. They're kind of just a mess in their own way right now. Like they're putting up numbers, but they're they're not they're not playing the way they've they, that they are in theory supposed to work. So that that kind of unevenness makes me, uh, yeah, I, that that unevenness makes me nervous. Uh, so yeah, I don't really trust them to cover the spread in this one. And I noticed it went started at twenty three down to twenty and a half. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, particularly confident in their ability to to cover this one either. You know, they couldn't cover it um, last week at home against Iowa State. I mean, slightly uh, larger uh, spread in that one. I think it was like 24 ish or something. But yeah. um, but Iowa State, uh, at least by uh, CBS's Tom Fornelli's uh, formula, is the literal worst team in in college football right now in the in the FBS. I don't know if I fully buy it, but yeah, I mean, they're like bottom 20. I I do like to to make fun of them though. I don't know why, but I just do. Like I uh, bet Iowa State would beat SMU. Right. See, exactly. So so you know, this is this is TCU on the road. I mean, I mean, that's basically not on the road cuz SMU and TCU are basically in the same town. Um the only thing that would appeal to me in this game is the over under of 64 and a half. I would take the under. I honestly might as well, just because of I I don't know that SMU is going to be able to to muster you also, know twenty twenty some odd points. SMU has nine interceptions so far. They held Baylor to five point four yards per pass. Their defense might actually be pretty decent. So uh, yeah, I, I would take the under. And if I had to make a spread pick, I, I, twenty and a half is a lot different than twenty three. But I think I'd still bet that uh, SMU only loses like by seventeen or something. I like it. All right, same page there, and then. Uh, Moving on, wrapping us up for the Friday night slate, we got Utah hosting USC, who is just a Ugh. mess right now. Uh, Utah only favored by three points at home, though. Uh, I mean, I don't. You uh, USC is not a good team, but I feel like they have at least pretty decent defensive personnel. Um, I know, like, uh, I just I I don't think Utah has a good offense, but I do kind of like the chances of Southern California's. Uh, offense folding against Completely. the Utah defense and just kind of probably I mean that program knows that it has a lame duck coach they know that they're they're, they're just not going to do anything this year they're, they're probably is considering they're a bunch of like five-star guys who are used to winning all the time they're probably you know in a pretty not psyched mood that that can affect their performance but I won't approach this for the spread because it's just a pick them and and pretty much it, it's up to minus three it looks like for Utah uh I, I would pick Utah to win, but I, I just am not psyched enough about this to approach it, really. Yeah, I don't love Utah's offense nearly as much, or this time around as much as I did last year. Last year, they had a lot more kind of bankable talent, but, you know, they don't have Booker anymore. Uh, I think uh, their starter coming into the year, Joe Williams, uh, yeah, like, retired from that? football. I'm that not entirely weird. sure. It was like they kind of, like, benched him, too, and then he retired. Like, yeah. I like that move, actually. It's like if they bench me, I'm like, all right, I'll just... You can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, USC, they got uh, Sam Darnold, redshirt freshman. Obviously, uh, if he's playing quarterback at USC, great pedigree and all that. But, I mean, so did Max Brownie, who won the starting gig. Is it Brownie? I think so. Oh, that's awesome. I always just thought it was Brown. I hope he takes the starting job back. (laughs) I hope so, too. I hope hope good things for that guy. He handled getting benched pretty well. But, um, 
Yeah, I just think that USC is is pretty much just in shambles right now. I would say that I, I'm going to take Utah uh, to cover this spread here. I mean, especially since you're you're kind of looking at it as a pick 'em almost. So I think that I think that Utah should be able to do that. Um, they should, yeah. yeah. It's like if as long as their quarterback Troy Williams doesn't like turn the ball over uh, a couple times, and especially if it's one that you know is a defensive touchdown or something. Then you think that they ought to be able to just field position their way to to a win there. You could definitely see that. And then you know Utah defense also excellent. So before we head on to the Saturday portion of, of the podcast, uh, got a message uh, for our friends uh, from the No Halftime app. So you're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, "I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team," but your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No Halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use the promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No Halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. All right, so before we get into the, into like the full-on... Uh, Saturday slate, uh, you know, with uh, with all the big, you know, kind of ranked opponent matchups. Uh, we got a couple, you know, good group of five games that we want to get started with. Uh, this one, I'm I'm particularly uh, pumped about. We got some of the best uh, from the Sun Belt versus some of the, the darlings of of maybe the group of five that that's not Houston right now. Uh, Western Michigan hosting Georgia Southern this weekend. Western Michigan seven point favorites at home. That kind of seems like a lot for especially if you consider Georgia Southern the same team they've been the two years prior to this, but their coach Willie Fritz headed to Tulane. They right. haven't been, they've like, they've been, they've been good this year, Georgia Southern that is. Um, but there's something about the, the way that they've done it so far that makes me think that they, that they're due for a letdown. And uh, they, they, they barely beat Louisiana Monroe last week and they're probably like really bad. Yes. Um, so yeah, the the other thing that's that's alarming about Georgia Southern specifically is that Matt Breda hasn't gotten going this year. He's got 195 yards in three games on 46 carries. He's averaging almost uh, like barely more than half of what he's averaged on the ground per carry the last two years. Mm-hmm. Something feels off with them. I think they might have like it might kind of be like a like the drop off from Chip Kelly to Helfrich, you know, the drop off from Fritz to whoever this other guy is. It's like they they have enough, you know, of an identity in place and a general structure that they've they've kind of carried out their past form, but I think it's like when they need to really uh clinch in a difficult environment, I think they're going to get exposed. So, I kind of like Western's ability to cover that. I do too. I mean, Western obviously a very impressive win uh, last week. I know you know Illinois is no world beater in their own right, but but just going down to Illinois and just kind of slapping them around the way that they did uh, that was pretty impressive stuff from from Western. So uh, take PJ that in- flag. 
going to be like at least at a bigger school pretty soon and I, he, it's easy to imagine him getting into the NFL someday like he's been recruiting really great there so i assume i'm i'm assuming that they're they're you know that they're step forward this year is basically the result of those those a bunch of three star recruits that he caught yeah, I'm, turning into experienced players yeah so that's that's really working out and and to your point about Georgia Southern it just seems like there there is just sort of like the the same ca- cast of characters as last year when they when they had you know one of the best rushing attacks around obviously that that's just kind of the way that, that system is built but uh, Breda for him to he had never in his first couple years at Georgia Southern gone more than two games without a hundred yards and he had already started this season three games just sort of right. really average so output something changed and it hasn't quite manifested in the win loss column yet but I I mean it, not not just are they not uh, favored to win this but I, I think they might get kind of slapped up a bit yeah all right we are on the same page with that one but that should be a pretty fun game to watch regardless you know we uh, I will bring back our, our bowl season pod last year where we thought that uh that Bowling Green that was sort of like the Western Michigan of last year the Mac uh that they were gonna beat up on on Georgia so I mean I thought yeah. this too <laughs> I mean Georgia. I will say uh that that was like a weather game I, I don't know if this will be one but oh, yeah, also, there was like Gulf Force winds or something Gale Force winds it was something. it was pretty bad I can't remember what it was but um also it's like Bowling Green's defense never was good like Western right. Michigan seems to have a little bit of defense so maybe that and, and yeah of course Fritz is not there so that's that's big Exactly. I just wanted to, to you know, dig up so, some fun stuff from last year. And yeah. then, then we got uh, another pretty decent uh, little group of five matchup. We got Middle Tennessee State hosting Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is, you know, hung with a couple of uh, pretty solid teams to start the year. Middle Tennessee State's coming off a, a win up at Bowling Green in a very, very uh, sloppy, rainy game. I mean, the the field looked like it was pretty much underwater. Uh, I'm a, I'm a sick person, so obviously I was watching that game really intently while there were other uh, big games going on. Um, so Middle Tennessee State, uh, five and a half point favorites. Uh, what's your read here? Well, five and a half points is a little like I, I'd like Middle Tennessee to win, I guess, but not very much. Uh, Louisiana Tech. It, it's hard. It's hard to t- kind of take a side in this one, if only because like I've already been wrong about Louisiana Tech this year. Like I didn't think they'd be this good. I wouldn't have expected them to certainly keep it a one point game on the road against Arkansas in Week One. Uh, Ryan Higgins, their quarterback. Like a lot of my reasoning for them not being good is based on that guy starting. Right. And through two two games, he's got seven touchdowns and two interceptions, which I think is one more touchdown than he had as like a 10 game starter three years ago. That is true. Um, so yeah, he's, he's evidently turned a corner. Uh, yeah, I, I just didn't expect them to be as competitive as they've been. So I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I, f- I feel like I've touched the hot stove and and I don't, I'm reaching for it again here, but, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. Uh, Louisiana tech's past defense at least has been bad and that's where middle Tennessee can get ahead of them i guess like True. stock still is good he, he's the engine in that offense and Tavius mathers has been really good since transferring from mississippi uh but yeah it's like five and a half it just kind of feels like a lot because i don't think middle tennessee's defense is going to stop louisiana tech's offense right so uh i guess i would take louisiana tech if, if i had to make a spread pick but i, I think the blue raiders should be able to win this one at least yeah i I'm, i tend to just be enamored with with what middle tennessee state uh does on offense they're one of my favorite offenses to watch but uh you know you're I think that kind of puts blinders on me a bit about about their defense. I think Vanderbilt put up, you know, over 40 points on them or something. 
Oh, they did. It was almost all on the ground. They only gave up 100 yards passing, 113 rather. So that's that's actually the interesting variable in this is uh, Middle Tennessee is allowing 3.5 yards per pass through three games. They've allowed 296 yards through the air. Hmm. Um, but hmm. there's three games, uh, Alabama, A&M, Vanderbilt, and Bowling Green. And as we saw with Bowling Green, I think it's, it's I mean, not to deny Middle Tennessee credit, but like James Napke is like, he, he should be playing in like Division Three or something. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, I mean that's that's how that's how Middle Tennessee covers the spread, I guess, is if that pass defense turns out if if those first three games are actually re- reflective of how the good they are, and not just how bad those pass offenses were. It's a good way of looking at it. Uh, and then moving on, uh, you know, kind of a, as I alluded to earlier, like to poke fun at Iowa State. So we got the Cyclones at home, six and a half point favorites against a San Jose State t- State team that uh, is not particularly good either. Uh, no. <laughs> so I'm. Not, I think this might be like one of the very few times where Iowa State could pull this pull the cover off. Um, I don't know how are you seeing I mean, this one. They they have had a lot of trouble on defense this year on the ground. They've allowed over 200 yards in each game, three touchdowns on the ground in each game. Yikes! I I don't know what to expect from uh, Kenny Potter in this setting. Like he's he's a he's good at the appropriate level of competition, uh, dual threat quarterback. You'd think he could get it going against Iowa State, given that everybody else has. But it's uh, one of those things where it, I, it just feels like Iowa State's offense has to come around. I, I, I guess it might not this week with their quarterback situation still murky. But Alan Lazard looks like a, form, a, oh, a future NFL player. Mike Warren had a really great redshirt freshman year last year. Hasn't gotten going at all. Uh, you would expect that to something to give there and for him to get going and it might be this week, and if it is, then I kind of like them to cover, but they, their offensive line hasn't gotten anything going in the first three games, and it's like maybe he'll just you know, keep struggling because he's just getting hit at the line too often. Right, yeah, that that, that definitely would be an area of concern. Um, I, I think San Jose State keeps this you know, a respectable game, makes, makes Iowa sweat a little bit, but I think in the end uh, Iowa State should be able to pull away at home. They should be able to, to win by, by a touchdown or more. Uh, that's kind of the way I see it. Um, I think that's reasonable. It's not. It's not the most in depth of analysis, but I mean, what do you want me to do? It's San Jose State and Iowa State. Um, and then we got uh, Virginia Tech hosting ECU. ECU is a team that um, had one of the more head scratching uh, games last week. They were at South Carolina, and they were they were moving the ball in South Carolina at will. Uh, Zay Jones had one of the best individual receiving games of all time uh, in terms of just receptions. He had 22 grabs. Yeah. I mean, that that's like, that's I think lot. the only time we saw anything close to that last year would be like Spurbeck on one of those nights at yeah. Boise State. I was going to say Terrell Owens against the Bears or whatever, like 10 years ago. But yeah, Spurbeck too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Spur, I mean, I mean, tomato, tomato there. I mean, they're pretty much the same guy in, in my mind, of course. No, but um. We got so we got ECU. They just were they couldn't get out of their own way once they got into the red zone, and that's sort of what ended up costing them the game. They're going up to Virginia Tech, uh, who I believe just shellacked Boston College. Yeah, they they pummeled them. Um, so that that's like a little bit scary because I, I felt like Virginia Tech like was a little bit slower out of the gate than I would have liked. I would yeah. have liked them to, to play a little bit better against Tennessee. I don't um, understand that game in hindsight now because, like, I thought the Boston College defense was at least good, and, and last week, like, they they did not put up any resistance at all to the Hokies. Like, 
uh, Gerard Evans, and maybe maybe it's just like he's kind of finding his rhythm. Seems at, like it. at the Division One level, but yeah, he's he's been killer uh, uh, considering it's his first three games at, at Virginia Tech. Ten touchdowns passing. He hasn't even really gotten going as a runner yet. Right, and that, you know, I think there's only you know a handful of of quarterbacks that that are in the double digit touchdowns with one interception, uh, and he's one of them. And I think he's a guy that people definitely uh, wouldn't. Uh, just blurred out off the top of their head as a guy that was no. doing that so far. Uh, he's got. We love the talent that he has around him uh, with Ford and and Bucky. Uh, Bucky, of course, and McMillian and um, Camp Phillips is all right too. Is their second receiver. And then uh, was it Marshawn Williams that yeah. got back in the, in the fold last week? He after he tore his ACL last year, I believe. Yep. Um, so that was good to see him kind of. Uh, get himself going so that was that was good so I, I've really enjoyed this ECU run early early in the season uh, and you know that that game against North Carolina State at home was crazy but I don't think they're going to be able to go up to, to Lane Stadium and Virginia Tech and really be able to do much I think Virginia Tech seems to be getting themselves moving in the right direction I thought last week you know I was against Boston College but I mean shutting them out 49 to nothing that's a, that's a big statement yeah, and and the thing is, like they're allowing only. Uh, granted, they played Liberty and a and a Boston College team that can't throw against anybody. But they also held Tennessee to ninety one yards passing, gave up three touchdowns. Granted, on nineteen attempts, but ninety one yards on nineteen attempts. I just I just feel like the the East Carolina defense isn't going to stop the Virginia Tech offense, and if if the East Carolina offense has to go, you know, catch up mode. Hokies look like their defense is pretty vicious. And oh yeah, Phil Nelson. He he had that good week one against whatever it was that they played some FCS team. But since then, he's starting to look more like the player he was at Minnesota, which is to say, like very average of a quarterback. So yeah, I I kind like it's worth mentioning on covers the spread is down to eleven. Ooh. but yeah, I like I like Virginia Tech to cover, which is weird to say because I still think really highly of East Carolina and where they're going. It's just uh, the, Virginia Tech is looking pretty scary at the moment. Yep, we just we we like Justin Fuente. We're friend, we're uh, big fans of Scotty as well. We just got got to go Virginia Tech this week um, uh, with eleven point favorites. Uh, then all right, so we're gonna move on to some of the more uh, marquee matchups. Uh, this one is gonna, is kind of weird that it's starting at 11 Central, uh, so that'll be 11 uh, local time for, for Ole Miss. Ole Miss, uh, number 23, coming off a tough loss, uh, hosting number 12, Georgia. Um, what's your reaction to this one? Because I feel like Georgia, yeah, I mean, just kind of by the way the chips have fallen so far this year, that's why they're the number 12 team in the country. And like Ole Miss, uh, by virtue of playing two teams that are arguably top five, and yeah. they, they were top five when they played them, uh, you know, they're, they're knocked back down to 23. And now they're at home and they're angry. Uh, I would be worried, or I'm worried about this as a Georgia fan. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, so they're not projected to win. Mississippi's favored by seven or seven and a half, depending on where you're looking. I think the reason that it, I think there's a reason to think Georgia can make it close or, or win even. Um, but yeah, the, the Mississippi pass defense has been it's it's uh, it, the the good part of the defense. Like they've only given up two touchdown passes on 92 attempts, playing Florida State and Alabama in two of those three. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the run defense has been vulnerable. And you would think after Eason having the game like he did last week, and especially with McKenzie being a complete oh beast goodness. right now. 
Um, with with that occurring, Georgia's yet the way you approach that that offense has changed. Like if you want to if you want to just sell out to stop Chubb, I mean McKenzie has made clear like he can kill you over the top. So I think Chubb gets going again after two mediocre games in a row. I think it's I think it, I don't think you can stop Chubb unless you're just selling out against the run because I mean he. he he just, you know, stomped all over North Carolina in week one. Right. Um, and Mississippi is allowing about five yards per carry right now to opposing offenses. So, yeah, but I don't I don't think if, if Georgia giving up that kind of game to Drew Locke, I don't, I don't think they're going to slow down Chad Kelly at all, really. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, first, touching on touching on your point about Chubb, uh, you know, I was reading an article. Uh, it was, uh, you know, one of the Georgia writers, you know, having to sit down with, it, with uh, I think, Parrish Alford, who's an Ole Miss writer and you know he he was like all right how, how are you guys going to defend Chubb are you going to be able to stop him and he's like well if, if Chubb uh goes for like the cutback lanes that's where Ole Miss has tended to get gashed this year so I think I could see uh Georgia adjusting accordingly uh, I think that Georgia's offensive line coach is supposedly pretty good so you know hopefully he'll be able to kind of orchestrate that sort of thing where, where Chubb can get uh, some easier lanes because he was a little bit bottled up these past two weeks, way more so than you would have expected f- facing teams like Nichols and uh, Mizzou. Although Mizzou does have Charles Harris and ha- has a really good front and, uh, you know, they are respectable for sure uh, in the run game. And then as far as Kelly goes, I think that, you know, what I was saying about Jamon Moore earlier uh, is definitely emblematic of like five or six dudes that Ole Miss has like okay. they just have these big physical guys and that's kind of that are fast and I think that's what gave uh Georgia so much trouble last week and I think Evan Ingram Evan Ingram was a problem for Bama so I mean he's going to be a problem again this week for for Georgia secondary which even though it's experienced uh hasn't really uh done a lot to win my favor thus far this season so I do think Ole Miss kind of gets up off the mat this week I think that's a big ask of of a freshman, true freshman quarterback to to go down to the Grove and beat a, a, a Hugh Freeze coached Ole Miss team, and when he's got a guy like Chad Kelly, the best quarterback in the SEC, opposing him on the other side. So I think Ole Miss uh, should be able to to cover this one. Yeah, I can't get an opinion on the spread, but yeah, I mean Mississippi to win. It's just like I I get I get, I get scared of going for seven points, seven and a half from Mississippi in the event that Chubb gets going again because if he does. <clears throat> Then they at least are you know extending drives. So, uh, True. but yeah, I, I I don't think Georgia is going to be able to keep up with Chad Kelly generally. Yeah, that that's going to be one what, sort of like probably the biggest mismatch in this game is, is you know like that that pace. Obviously, Georgia showed some trouble against uh, Mizzou, who was running a ton of plays last week. So it's it's going to be like that again, but with the with you know more talent uh, yeah. coming against them. Um, let's move on here. We got sort of an interesting matchup. I think everyone's all uh, upset at Florida State now, or or like, oh, they they must be terrible because they lost to uh, Louisville. So they're only five and a half point fa- favorites at uh, USF. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think that's more respect to USF, but you would think also then they would be ranked, right? But, uh, yeah, that's it's weird. Uh, Willie Taggart is one of my very favorite coaches in college football, so I'm really happy to see that he's successfully rebuilt another program. Like he was the one who took Western Kentucky, who I think lost every game two years in a row or something like that, maybe even maybe even three. Yikes! Um, and then he made them into what uh, Brom took and kept building. It wasn't, but uh, yeah, Taggart laid that foundation, and he's he's doing it again in South Florida. Great coach. Uh, they got a lot of good players. They're pretty experienced at the skill positions where they they have a few explosive people. Uh, so yeah, it's 
I guess the question is how good is the Florida State defense? And and last week they obviously had a lot of trouble stopping Lamar Jackson, as in they didn't at all. Um, right. But yeah, and Quinton Flowers is is a very good college quarterback, but he's no one is Lamar Jackson, so I don't think we can really get any insight from what happened last week. True. Um, USF defense is adequate, but I, f- I feel like it's just I feel like there aren't many defenses in general that can stop uh, Florida State type personnel, especially if like if if Cook and Francois are in good shape um, physically. So I I don't really I don't really see South Florida covering the spread in this one. I noticed it's already down to f- it's a it's already it's down to five and a half though. So I guess some people think they can. I'm just inclined to think like it's Lamar Jackson just kind of like broke the back of Florida State football last week and everything that happened in it aside from Jackson's dominance just isn't really insightful in any other setting. Right. And, you know, uh, I don't think that uh, Jimbo Fisher is the kind of guy that's going to going to lose twice in a row, especially, uh, you know, not not to a to a non-conference opponent, uh, the likes of of South Florida, as good as they've been, uh, you know, South Florida. Uh, they're, they're running back, uh, Marlon Mack, uh, he missed a game earlier in the season. He came back last week. I think he averaged like 12 yards of carry on Syracuse. I mean, they, they really laid it to Syracuse at, and the, Syracuse got up on them early, I believe. And then yeah, they South, were up like 21, nothing or something. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then South Florida was just like, huh, enjoy. And then they just, you know, dropped like 45 unanswered or something. And then, yeah. uh, you know, flowers to your point, uh, he's best in the AAC, uh, in yards per attempt at 9.5. And he's, uh, He's got. He's tied for the most touchdowns. Uh, he is with a seven. limited passer. Right? He is. He's. He's. You know, accuracy wise, uh, that that could get him to trouble. Pass, yeah. Right. And uh, you know, obviously, um, he doesn't pose the same sort of threat as Jackson, and and thus, uh, Florida State could probably key in on Mac a little bit more, slow him down, uh, and then make Flowers make throws. And that's where I think uh, South Florida might get into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. So I do kind of agree with you. Uh, as much as I like USF uh, this year, moving forward, um, Florida State probably should should cover this pretty handily. I agree. Um, but yeah, love love Taggart, love USF. Just Florida State's very very good. Um, but yeah, next game, uh, it's it's my time of the week to be wrong about the Badgers. And, <laughs> All right. Uh, Number 11 Badgers going on the road to Michigan State. Paul Chris did a very bad job of pretending that they aren't starting Alex Hornibrook uh, during the Monday <laughs> press conference thing. I was like, uh, hey, coach, you left. Uh, we got sources saying you're benching Houston. Is that true? It's like, well, we're going to need both of them. It's like, oh, oh, you okay, I get what you're saying. Uh, but no, Hornibrook's wink, wink, pro- nudge, nudge. I would bet Hornibrook is going to start. Yep. Um, five and a half points for Michigan State is too low for a team that, uh, uh, I mean, Corey Clement, Seems like he will be a bit hobbled, even if he does play. Right. I basically don't expect him to finish the game if he plays. Hornibrook is probably a better option than uh, Houston in that he at least has some like explosive traits. Like he's he's shown some ability to make big plays downfield. But uh, him and Houston both were getting intercepted constantly during fall and spring. So I don't I don't think he's going to be the stable option, especially in a first career start on the road against Michigan State for them to be able to stay within six points. So uh, yeah, I can. I just I don't think Wisconsin's offense is going to get anything going in this game, and I don't think that their defense can go four quarters of getting three and outed by their own offense the whole time. That's true. Just breaking in the second half. Yeah, that's that really is going to catch up to them. That is going to be an issue, and I, I'm worried about the depth behind Clement because I mean, the, Dar is like the only like truly healthy running back. Dar oh, he, he's beat up too. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, deal, deal, deal and, and Bradrick, Shaw. Bradrick, yeah. Okay. Um, so 
So those guys are both hurt. I, I don't even know if Deal's going to be able to play. It sounded a little bit more optimistic regarding Shaw. Uh, also, I'm, I'm not sure if uh, the tight end, Troy Fumagalli, is going to be able to go. Ugh. And Wisconsin's already lost a couple of, of kind of key defensive players. You know, they, they lost uh, one of their best, uh, I think, linebackers, like in, in the first series against LSU. So, you know, they haven't really had a big test since then. Now they are, and you know it's a brutal environment. To it have really to step is in, in the state that they're in, and you know Michigan State that they, they got such a deep stable of, of kind of just punishing backs. I mean, L.J. Scott looks really good. Gerald Holmes looks pretty explosive. Uh, Tyler O'Connor is, you know, I, I had my definitely had my doubts about him coming into this season. You know, it's just sort of like I had gotten accustomed to Connor Cook, and I was sort of a Cook hater, but I still recognize that he was good. Um, overall for for a college quarterback uh, he comes he goes into a hostile environment last weekend uh, completes 19 of 26 passes uh, for 241 yards adds 43 on the ground uh, yeah, his fr- running elements is what's different from the recent Michigan State quarterback so he, he's a pretty legitimate runner exactly and uh, the, they got a freshman uh, wide receiver named Donnie Corley it's one of the best uh, recruits that Michigan State's gotten in recent years and he had a pretty big game I think he was averaging over I think he was like averaging like 22 yards a catch last week uh, on Notre Dame. So that I mean that's you don't see that every time, especially from a true freshman in his third, in his second career game. So uh, you know he might give the Wisconsin secondary a little bit of trouble. I just think that the uh, covering two or five and a half points uh, is is too much of an ask for Wisconsin. I mean I'm sure we'll we'll sit back down here next week and be like, oh, we were wrong again. But you know. It, I'm just going to keep going with going against the grain here. I just think that Michigan State uh, should be able to get this. Oh, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident in it, like I always am and always wrong with Wisconsin. But anyway, uh, I, I also like Florida's chances of not only covering, but I like them to beat Tennessee this week just because I think McIlwain is so much better of a coach than Jones. And I'm, I'm, I'm worried that Josh Dobbs just is too limited as a passer to to have – a reliable enough of an advantage over the, the the Florida offense to to create especially the spread of six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if Tennessee wins, it's by like three or something. Right, and you know we're we're gonna see like Butch Jones on the sideline in the fourth quarter with an abacus trying to figure things out and all very the, red. Yes, incredibly red, and then uh, you know McElwain, uh gloriously spray tanned orange. Yeah, uh, um, he'll get he'll get red for a minute or that too. There, this is true. Um, I, I I read it the same way. I think Florida Florida's defense is just terrifying. So I think it's going to be able to fluster a guy, even like Dobbs. It's you know one of the more established quarterbacks in the conference. The, the one sort of drawback that makes you think a little bit is is the um, fact that Florida's going to be having having to start uh, former Purdue quarterback Austin Appleby. It looks mm. like uh, that makes yeah. me feel a little bit oogie. <laughs> but at the same time, if they just don't let him throw it and just uh, you know just kind of hand it to that trio of of really talented backs. Um, I know that Tennessee's pretty banged up on defense. They got they uh, there's a lot of attrition in their game on the defensive side of the ball last week. I think that's a pr- definite concern that definitely uh, helps give Florida the edge. I do think that Florida extends that winning streak over Tennessee, uh, extends it to 12 years in a row. Um, next game, we got uh, Michigan uh, giving 18.5 points to Penn State at home. Seems like they should be able to, but that that's kind of a lot of points just for like a team that has uh, it's going against Saquon. But true. Uh, but no, I, I I probably won't approach the spread. But yeah, Michigan's gonna 
beat them. Yeah, I, I pretty much envision this as, as like a 60-minute just Harbaugh giving James Franklin like a big noogie or like a swirly or something. Yeah, it's like a it's like or like this the Star Wars like r- compactor room. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it won't go that fast, but like in the end there will. Yes, and Penn State is missing, I believe, maybe all three of their starting linebackers. So I think this is a week where we're going to see Michigan just pilot on their run game. They have like they they gave the ball to ten different guys last week. They're just going to just uh, just give that's disrespectful. Give, that's just wrong. Like <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it when I was looking at the box score after the game. It's like, are you, are you messing around right now? Um, and then we got Colorado going to Oregon. Colorado gave Michigan a great fight last week until Leah Fowl, uh left the game with an injured ankle. Leah Fowl has been able to practice uh, two days in a row on a limited basis. We still don't know if he's going to be able to play though. You kind of like you said about uh, Corey Clement earlier. Even if he does play, he's going to be limited. It's going to be at Oregon. Uh, there's no line yet on this game, uh, but I think Oregon. Uh, you know, I, I'm just so worried about Leofow's health. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. Stephen Montez, who who is a looks like he must be a redshirt freshman. He replaced uh, Leofow. Um, seems like he's okay, but uh, and I don't. I'll have no opinion on this spread when it comes out, unless it's something huge one way or another. Because uh, I just have no faith in Helfrich running a smart game plan, and in Colorado's improved enough that you can't just bank on the talent advantage that Oregon would normally have in this scenario. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I can see Oregon losing this game if they do enough stupid Hellfreak like things. There, there is that element that you definitely, uh, definitely need to consider there. So watch out for the spread on that one. If if Oregon starts catching too many points, you might want to might want to lean the other way because Colorado has looked pretty impressive so far. Um, then we got LSU. Uh, Three and a half point favorites at Auburn. I don't want to touch that one. I, I mean, Danny Etling, whatever, he he might have done marginally better in a totally insignificant sample size than uh, Harris did before that. But I still think Etling is not good. Like, I didn't think he was good at Purdue. I don't nope. think that Cam Cameron is going to put him in a position to be better than whatever level of skill he is, uh, which I think you need to being on the road against an Auburn defense that has made me very convinced so far. I think uh, they have LSU's old defensive coordinator from like last year. Uh, who is that? Steel? Uh, I don't even. Know. But yeah, they've 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 been very good. It's just uh, I would if I had to pick LSU to win, but three and a half points on the road. Like I, I, I think they'll barely get out alive if they do. Yeah, the the image that will always be burned in my head is is the. I mean, to me, this was the Fournette game last year when when they hosted Auburn and, oh, okay. and he was just ragdolling people. He was. Um, I just, you know, to your point, I don't think it's going to it's going to come back uh that same way. Auburn looks to be a much tighter unit on defense yeah, this year and Fournette, I mean, he's he's still effective, but I mean his ankle, uh I read like a, you know, a, dis- a pretty like in-depth medical description of like the high ankle sprain and bruise he's dealing with. He has, sounds he has like, a high ankle sprain? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's not going to get over and that it, for like it, another 3 weeks at and least. And it's and it's bruised up pretty bad. Um so, someone said uh for Dr. Jerry Punch, maybe for for ESPN, said there's a, you know like bleeding in the membrane within his oh ankle. God. So yeah, it sounds like he's playing through something that like would would just keep me on bed rest for six <laughs> years. So I don't know. Uh, I it's I'm staying away from this game as well. Yeah, basically, I don't, I don't just, like that. That's that's the way we're gonna roll there. Uh, quick one, uh, Baylor. Uh, giving eight to Oklahoma Dude, State. Baylor at home. is not. I don't good. like Baylor, man. I'll take Oklahoma State to cover that, and I'm, I mean, like, I, I like. I think their odds of winning are no worse than fifty-fifty. Agreed. Um, then we got uh, Stanford 
Only three point favorites going down to UCLA. That's They'll that cover. seems a little funky. I mean, that I have, seems I have like no a faith no in brainer. UCLA. I don't. No. I don't think they're that good. Um, Stanford. I guess the the, the reason this, it's a low spread is because the Stanford passing game doesn't exist, and it's easy to imagine. I guess a team selling out on the run to stop McCaffrey, but I don't think you can sell out to stop him in a in any real sense because he is the passing game also so true unless you can account for both of those equally i i, I don't know that it really carries over but i mean uh, it, i that's basically like minus three is basically a pick em, i mean in most outcomes so I'm, I'm willing to say stanford covers yeah and we don't even know if if uh ucla is going to be playing their best running back so so jamabo uh there's just a really kind of weird mysterious benching of him uh, last week and more I won't say anything more about it um, so if you know if UCLA is missing him uh, you know you're counting on Rosen to do everything against Stanford and I think Stanford's just too you know too well built of a machine overall for for UCLA to overcome that even at home so I, I, I lean Stanford there as well and then wrapping us up uh, Pac-12 after dark part two we got Arizona State uh, four point favorites against Cal at home yeah, uh, I still don't think Cal is that good. I, f- I feel like as impressive as their win was last week, it was kind of one of those just wacky things where anything could happen. But with that said, I... Yeah, I, I the opposition I, forgot to wear ties. Yeah, they, they wore baggy pants, and sometimes you lose when that happens. But I think it, four points is a lot for Arizona State to get. I don't like yeah, it that really spread. Does. I uh, mean, their they struggled really bad. hard at, at UTSA last week. Right, and I'm sure that was looking ahead a week, but still their defense hasn't done well in any regard this year. And as much as I don't think Davis Webb is anything more than a system quarterback, like at least the system is there and you're not there's no questions about that coming through so i just don't think arizona state's gonna if they if they have you know if, if they create a, a a lead i don't i just don't think they'll be able to preserve it long enough to keep the spread intact yeah i, I kind of read it the same way i think i think cal cal's offense is clicking too much right now for, for them to be uh four point dogs against a team that can't really stop anybody so uh, i think cal should be able to to go down uh, to the Valley of the Sun and get the win, uh, even though I don't feel super great about it. I just I think their offense is is too good. There's, there's, I can't wait to see what the uh, over under ends up being. Yeah, so that hasn't been issued. Uh, not that I have seen. Oh, okay. I'm trying to s- s- go down the page really fast and find. Looks at like 82 and a half on Holy strong bully, and it seriously might go over like relatively easily. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, Cal's pass defense, though, has been kind of okay this year, so that's where I'm like, that's the difference for me. It's like Arizona State's done nothing on defense. Cal can't stop the run, but at least they stopped a few passes this year. But then, you know, Kalen Ballage maybe is just able to do it. Uh, you know, they they got weapons. Um, but obviously, uh, may, maybe that, that hurts uh, your stock in, like, and Keel Harry for, for this week going against a Cal secondary. But, I mean, he looks like one of the best yeah, true he's, freshman he's, receivers. He's good. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's good. He, they have some established receivers on that team already, and he's already ahead of all of them. Pretty much. Um, so we're going to wrap this up with a little bit of uh, season-long league uh, discussion. Uh, what all were you thinking we should we should get into here? I mean, I uh, I wrote an article about you know a start versus sit. Uh, Earlier in the week, four. we have our our guy Nick Gray's who kind of does like the you know the uh what do you call that 
uh, the pickups. Yeah, the he, he, well, he does the waiver wire article. Yeah, so he, like he kind of his his subject kind of segues into yours, where it's like you're you're a little later in the week and it's kind of like okay, and then what do we do with these players that we actually have? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you make the call on who to start and sit. Uh, you guys both agreed, um, and I initially forgot to list in the wide receiver rankings this week uh, the the well known. Uh, prolific Connecticut passing game has has created yet another star receiver. Uh, Noel Thomas, you and Nick are both on him. Uh, they're going against Syracuse this week. Correct. So uh, yeah, he, he he had what like uh, twenty four catches in three games. Or he something? has twenty six catches. Uh, his his per catch numbers aren't aren't that mind boggling. He's only got two hundred seventy seven yards and he's got one touchdown. But I mean, the way I figure it, like that many catches and only one touchdown, like. It's just going to progress to the mean. Like he's he's going to find the end zone. It's, well, I mean, it's just too much volume. There's that, and if he's doing like eight, nine catches in the previous three contests, going against Syracuse's max tempo uh, team basically means there's got to be a pretty good chance that he catches. You know, three. The, the over under on how many more catches he would have today than in his otherwise season average has to be three and a half. So, uh, yeah, if he doesn't catch eight passes, I'll be pretty shocked. I think. Agreed. Uh, yeah, so definitely he's a guy that that I'd be looking at to start, especially among uh, AAC players that are on your team, even though they are kind of punching up this week and playing a ACC opponent. Um, let's see. But yeah, if if, if uh, I, I guess we can just also mention uh, who you, who you think should not be starting just as easily this this week. But uh, yeah, otherwise moving on to the I guess we want to move to the ACC. Um, you. you so I think uh, Nick listed James Quick and Ray Ray McLeod. That would be Louisville and Clemson guys. I, th- I think it's I, th- I think it's pretty slim pickings over there. Like if 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 you're looking in the ACC for receivers, it's it's um it's th- it's a lot of offenses that spread the ball around a lot. I would try to be on um, somebody like uh, Travis Rudolph if you could this week, largely because we're presuming the Florida State bounce back. Right. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's like I don't know, like. Mike Williams is underperforming. Stacy Coley's off this week, but um, yeah, I, I don't really have any ACC thoughts otherwise at the moment. No, I mean, and as far as running backs were concerned, I, I said you know James Conner uh, going against North Carolina. I think North Carolina, as they've shown this year, they can get a little bit chewed up on the ground. So I mean, this, this they got beat up on the ground by even in that Illinois game. I think. Yeah, I think Vaughn had like a pretty. I think like Vaughn had like a sixty-five yard touchdown in that game uh that was where most of his yards came from in that game but and the fact remains he ran for 65 yard touchdown uh so i think connor uh should be able to have a pretty solid outing on the ground there but yeah moving on to the big 12 uh this this is one of those more ethically challenging instances but um if you don't if, if uh if you can one way or another rationalize it no no judgment from me i'm like i'm, I'm agnostic on it but uh ishmael zamora who had a three-game suspension, uh, Baylor wide receiver, for basically uh, beating his dog really badly yep. on camera. Uh, they, uh, being the uh, eth- ethically uh, sound institution they are, gave him a three-game suspension. Uh, his three games are up, so uh, obviously they want him back for this one, Oklahoma State, and he's their second-best receiver. So, um, yeah, if you, don't, if, if you don't have any qualms with like you know basically using the player pool, He's he's out he's out there probably in a lot of leagues having been suspended for three games and he he could have a pretty big game one just because of that offense and especially two up tempo teams with questionable defenses going against each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, OK State can definitely get gashed and uh, you know I think that Zamora. You know, I'll just leave 
his whole issue aside because, you know, obviously it's terrible, but then, you know, he is a very talented player. So, you know, if you want to go that route. He is an athletic freak. Like he's, he's probably like six, three, uh, two twenty or something. And he's got like 40 inch vertical. I remember he had like a, something like 130 inch broad jump. So he, he's very fast. He can jump. Uh, and Baylor has no second receiver who's emerged aside from Katie cannon. So they actually need somebody to do what he can do. Yes. And then, uh, touching on some, some other guys to, to start, uh, get a pair of running backs, Kyle Hicks. I mean, now, that Kevonte Turpin uh, is out he you know that's I mean he wasn't getting like a ton of carries per se but I mean just some backfield work so Kyle Hicks coming off a good game I think he should be able to to keep that He's rolling busy as a pass catcher too which yes. is new for the uh, TCU running back position gotta like that and then uh, Mike Warren you know kind of like we alluded to earlier off to a slow start but uh, in doing some deeper digging uh, San Jose State has given up an average of 236 yards on the ground uh per game this year so you got to like his like if if Warren's going to bust out of his slump you you'd, you'd imagine it's probably this week yeah I agree and uh but yeah also you mentioned in your your sit area Skylar Howard's got a tough BYU defense this week so yeah I'm I'm, I'm pretty much off the West Virginia offense just because that game might be a little grim agreed uh but yeah so uh let's see Big Ten uh you're the Big Ten guy what what's what's going on there um, sort of like I mentioned earlier with um, with that Penn State defense being so beaten up, I think that de- this is a week where Devion Smith might actually be worth like a, a place in your lineup. And usually I don't feel that way because, like I alluded to, uh, they they run so many different players. But I think Smith is the is the kind of back that that would truly be able to punish Penn State for not having quality linebackers. I mean, that's just kind of how he's built. So I think that this is a week where where I'm going after him for sure yeah you'd like that to be a deeper league or like a big 10 centric league just because of that probably low floor that he has in the event that they get a 21 point lead and he's only got seven carries at that point or something uh, but yeah Davian Smith is is better than his numbers the last two years have said he's basically playing with a bad ankle for most of last year if I remember right true uh, but yeah otherwise uh, in big 10 action you're not you're not liking divine redding so much this week no and like you know it's not like I, I think he's gonna have a terrible week per se but uh, and Wake's th- defense is tough that that was pretty much my issue with it Wake Forest uh, that that defense will travel uh, they're averaging or they're allowing just 2.4 yards per carry so redding Redding's a guy that has some of the most bankable workload of of pretty much any Big Ten running back, but in a week like this where he's where he's kind of facing a really uh, stout run front, uh, I don't think that he has like the athletic explosiveness on his own to really uh, yeah he get is, around. He it. is a system guy for the most part, in my opinion. I mean, like he's I think you saw it in like the, the him playing alongside Jordan Howard last year, and Howard would reliably average like two more yards per carry than him. Yep. So yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, Big Ten, uh, I don't really have any strong thoughts on the Michigan State thing. Like their deep backfield makes me uneasy about all of them. But LJ, yep. if, if if they got the carries for him, I think he should be able to get at least a couple touchdowns against a Wisconsin team that I think is going to be giving up short fields. Uh, if you're looking for a receiver, Drew Wolitarski, who gets a, a, an enormous share of the Minnesota passing game, they're going against Colorado State, who can't stop anybody. I think uh, Matt Vandenberg, especially PPR leagues, uh, going against Rutgers, too, is, would also yeah, be a pretty nice play. Yeah, I want to say that spread looked really ridiculously sh- short to me earlier this week. but um, I guess like I, sit in the sixes or something? I thought it was like seven when I looked before. Maybe I'm, I'm just remembering wrong. It's up to 14, 13, okay, so that, that, that sounds more correct <laughs> to me. But I, was, I, I don't know why I thought that. Um, anyway, 
Uh, yeah, otherwise, Big Ten is a stay away. Nebraska's got Northwestern, so I don't even like Tommy Armstrong that much this week. Same. Uh, so, yeah, going to, uh, I guess, Conference USA, we can take a quick a quick look at. Um, was, it, was it Austin Duke that you set aside in the uh, the, the sit- in the sitting yeah. uh, area? So he's a slot guy who gets a ton of targets, but UNC Charlotte just is, is even against a, t- a Temple team that's struggled a bit this year. Going on the road, they're going to be overmatched, I think. Yeah, um, he's going to get smothered. I mean, they're just going to – I mean, he's really their biggest receiving threat, uh, not not necessarily size-wise, but, like, in terms of what, what he does. Uh, so I think Temple's just going to be like, okay, we're just going to take him out of this Probably the most basically. interesting guy to break out in Conference USA lately, and, and Nick pointed him out, Tavius Mathers. The, he's, a, he's a former Mississippi transfer, so he was probably a four-star recruit. I'm, I'm guessing that because I think I also looked it up um, <laughs> and a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, Louisiana Tech—they're—they're they're a good team, especially by that uh, uh, group of five uh, standard. But Atavius uh, Mathers—he—he—he he, he probably could be starting for Mississippi right now if he was still there. Oh yeah, because I mean, Ole Miss has like nobody left, and yeah, uh, yeah, he's run the ball extremely effectively. Uh, I like the matchup a little bit this week, so I think I think he would definitely be a guy to to go to. Uh, and I also was very impressed with with uh, what Dalton Sturm was able to do for for uh, UTSA last week. Yeah, uh, and then he, he you know uh, going against Arizona State just to clarify uh you know he only completed 51 percent of his passes but he had three touchdowns and they you know ran for 82 yards and a score as well so he he does add that running component that that you like to see in in your quarterbacks um so he's got old dominion this week i'm not scared of that matchup whatsoever so i think no, i think you can in terms like... of guy you could stream in in you know pretty much any format if you got uh quarterbacks on buys yeah i think you can like both offenses in that one ray lowry is a beast uh, oh, yeah. uh, at running back for old dominion zach pascal is a beast at receiver david washington um he's he's a dual threat guy who's kind of matchup specific but this matchup i think he should do fine enough in i will say quickly I wouldn't start anybody from Western Kentucky other than Taewon Taylor in most scenarios. Nick Norris is the other consideration. But uh, Anthony Wales, I don't expect to play after he had the unannounced hamstring injury last week. Uh, Mike White, he, he's he's doing well enough, but Vanderbilt's defense is pretty tough. Um, I, I hate that he, their left tackle is going to be out. So Ooh, that's, uh, that's hurts. But yeah, that's a seven-point favorite for Western Kentucky. I don't like that at all. But, I mean, Vanderbilt is not super great or anything. It's just Western Kentucky is beat up right now. Exactly. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't really have any conference USA thoughts. Um, get better, Marshall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so moving on to the to the MAC, I guess. Um, I've been pretty impressed with with what uh, Miami of Ohio's quarterback Billy Ball's been able to do so far this year. Um, he's a uh, you know he's averaging like 285 yards per game, 9.3 yards per attempt, uh, six touchdowns against just one interception. I think Cincinnati can can uh, they they have some some individual guys that I could see potentially uh, being names we hear uh, in April and May with, leading up to the draft. But I, it seems like at the same time they don't necessarily play great team defense uh, in the secondary sometimes. So I think Ball could could potentially outperform what you might think he he could do. I mean. Miami, Ohio is going to be trailing. Uh, they should be throwing it plenty. And, you know, I think that he might be able to actually put together a pretty solid game. Yeah, Rokeem Williams has been pretty good for them going back to last year, too. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely banking on, like, a garbage time game for him. But I'm trying to remember the 
the uh, I, I have to say I disagree with your your Jamari Bogan sit pick. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I know I know Georgia Southern's a fine team, but I I I think Bogan's awesome. Have you, have you seen much of him? He's amazing. He's he's like five five seven? and a half. Oh, is he? Yeah, okay, I mean, so he's, list, he's like he's generously listed at five listed. seven, but uh, yeah, I remember reading he had like some crazy squat numbers or something. And when you watch him, he's just he's just really hard to stop. Um, otherwise, I guess. Uh, there might be there's there might be some offense to be had in that uh, Eastern Michigan game against Wyoming f- from both sides. Uh, Todd Porter's taking the starting quarterback job from Brogan Roback at Eastern Michigan. Um, I want to mention Wyoming three point uh, favorites in that. I like them to cover that just because I, f- I feel like Eastern Michigan, who have improved a lot, I just don't think they have the personnel to stop uh, Josh Allen, Brian Hill, Tanner Gentry. So kind of like that one to cover. And yeah. I think Eastern Michigan just lost their running back for the whole year, Shaq Vaughn. Oh, so. that's terrible. Yeah, I saw that. Shoulder uh, he, thing. He's good. Um, yeah, he was probably better than Darius Jackson last year, and then he, he got – I think he made the Cowboys roster or the practice squad anyway. All right on. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, um, not not feeling that psyched about most of the other MAC lineups here. The MAC action. Uh, my, my one sort of counterpoint to, to, the, to the Bogan thing is just that, you know, Georgia Southern uh, had – had one of the best uh, like stuff rates according to to college football genius Bill Connolly. Yeah. You know he calculates all this stuff, and you know that's when uh, running back uh, is held to uh, no gain or or negative gain. So the Georgia Southern thus far this season, you know, obviously they don't have a, a, a super impressive resume of teams they've gone against, but they they've shut down pretty much everybody. So maybe there's a, there's a chance where where Bogan uh, finds a little bit or has a yeah, little bit of trouble. Uh, two yards of carry is all they're allowing. However, none of those teams they've played can exactly. run. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's just sort of the way we're, I don't think at the very, at the very least, I, I think Bogan might have a down game by his standards. Cause I mean, he's off to an insane uh, pace. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, but yeah, we, we, we're going into the mountain West. We kind of already talked about Wyoming. I think Josh Allen, I think Tan- Gentry, Brian Hill certainly are all in a position to go off, especially if uh, if the game is supposed to be as close as the projection here, because Eastern Michigan, I don't think their defense can really stand up to Wyoming's offense. So uh, if they're if they're just you know punching one for one against each other all game, I think there could be points uh, for both sides. Um, I I kind of like Nevada to cover against Purdue, but because Nevada kind of seems okay, um, and Purdue is Purdue. So uh, that's a five and a half point spread. I, I don't know whether I'm going to write that up, but James Butler, Nevada running back, is quite good. Um, I'm not really going to be on anybody for San Jose State, but if there was one, it would be Potter, as you mentioned before. Um, kind of interesting at Colorado State to monitor their quarterback, Colin Hill, is it? Yeah. Uh, he Freshman. had an, an enormous game last week, including some some running ability, but uh, going on the road against Minnesota is a much tougher test than Northern Colorado, is, which is what they played last year. But still, if uh, if you have a bench spot to spare, he might, he might be worth speculating on in season-long leagues just to – you know, see how he does this week, and then consider deploying him against a more vulnerable defense. It's a good point. Uh, but yeah, Boise against Oregon State. I'm surprised that it's only a 13 point spread. Um, it, it is it is on the road for Boise, so maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, I feel like Oregon State's not going to be much of an obstacle for them. Cedric Wilson, their receive their second receiver, is a good sleeper target. I think because he's he's generally overlooked. Uh, for Spurbeck being there and probably sure. being kind of considered a one-game wonder or whatever when he had that huge week one game. But uh, I like him a lot in that one. And in general, I think he can, he has season-long utility because uh, Spurbeck can only get so many targets and that, and uh, Chaz Anderson or whatever the, the other one is, is not good enough to get many targets. So it's kind of a funnel situation for Spurbeck and Wilson there. Right. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, I expect Avante Boyd. He, he's not hurt or anything, is he? Is I like, don't believe he, so. He was basically invisible last week, um, but he's he's a beast. So I like him to get going again. If he was if he was dropped in any of your leagues, uh, he he should be added certainly because he's he's spectacular. Um, I'm trying to see. Yeah, he didn't catch a pass last week. I'll have to look at that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, if he if there's not if there's not some injury thing we missed there, he's he's definitely a good one, and I like him to get going against Idaho. I do too. Um, should we check out uh, Pac-12 now? Oh, is Devontae Mays expected to play for Utah State? It looks like uh, it's it's trending in the right direction for okay. him. I think I think he they was able to exactly tell us to get in. Yeah, that was that was tough to dig up last Friday. You know, like shortly before kickoff. But um, yeah, I think it is sort of looking like, and he'll have you know one extra day of rest uh, coming into this week. So I think I think he should be able to play. So things are looking good on that end in the Pac-12 there's probably not really anybody that uh everybody doesn't already know about who might be available in any leagues but if, if John Ross was dropped in your league I like him getting hot this week for Washington they just haven't really needed him the last couple of weeks but he's he's the real deal uh, uh Brandon Dawkins is interesting at quarterback for Arizona yes, but the matchup yeah the matchup makes me just queasy I don't I don't really like that but he he's worth adding in most leagues in season long because I just don't see how Arizona can go back to Solomon if if, if Dawkins keeps them remotely competitive in that game uh, and Solomon's not that great so it's not a high bar to reach but I, I think Solomon's uh knee injury is, is sketchier than maybe what's being led on because oh, okay. like it, it happened like during a practice where Arizona was like going to practice and they went outside, and it was like pouring rain, and he slipped. So I mean, it feels like there's something, something un, super ungood happened to his knee. Um, he, and uh, Rich Rod w- wasn't particularly uh, effusive in his praise of of uh, Solomon's participation and toughness yesterday. So like, that's weird. Yeah. So I um, feel like Dawkins definitely would be the move. He's got uh, a lot of upside forward. for, as you said, his running ability. But yeah, otherwise, I mean, if if is it Enkeel? That's how it's. That's how I say it. Okay, man. yeah, I was always like, Nukiel. Um, but whichever one, Mr. Harry at, at Arizona State, looks like he might be their lead receiver going forward, and, and I think you have to like him in a game against California where apparently everybody's going to go over 40. Yep. Um, and then I also like Jake Browning against Arizona, but I always like Jake he's, Browning. He's got like f- like 12 touchdown passes and like 90 attempts or something like that this it's, year. Yeah, it's just it's not a, fair. It's very stupid. 10.1 yards per attempt. Yeah, so uh, I guess we're on to the SEC now. Um, it's generally not – I mean, if Damian Harris is is available still in your league, he's worth adding. Scarborough, not convincing. Nope, uh, uh, Harris, all. quite convincing on the other hand. And, uh, yeah, otherwise, nothing in Florida, Tennessee that I like. Uh, I would I would hold on to Nick Fitzgerald in most leagues if, if you have him. And despite last week's weird benching thing, Mullen does stupid things with quarterbacks sometimes. But I've never seen him, like, go the whole year – during doing a rotation unless it was an obvious thing like Chris Ralph and Tyler Russell a few years ago where one could not pass and the other could not run mm. um but yeah I don't I don't think Damian Williams is going to really pull ahead in any regard there uh Jamon Moore like John said he's to be added in any format if he's still there they get Delaware State he should do just fine I uh, like Ralph Webb against a beat-up Western Kentucky team. He's a Vanderbilt running back. Yep. But, yeah, otherwise, Steven Johnson is someone who might be worth speculating on at Kentucky. Yeah, that U.K. game is going to be – there's, like, a lot of fantasy value to be had in that one. I recommended Brian Edwards from, from South Carolina. Yeah. Not to cut you off. But oh, no. 
Yeah, he's a great dynasty uh, developmental uh, football league. If you have those, he's he's a pretty high recruit from this year, and he's already on a, a very fine trajectory. Like he, along with Harry, he's he's one of the better uh, freshman receivers out there. Yeah, Muschamp has, has said things uh, you know about Edwards and just like how he's just like better and tougher than like pretty much any freshman receiver he's coached, and that's why he's yeah. you know that's why he has so much on his plate and. Uh, I believe Debo Samuel, he was out last week with a hamstring. We don't know if he's going to be ready to go again. And Kentucky's defense can get absolutely gashed. I know that, yeah, bad. I know that uh, you know, South Carolina's quarterback situation isn't, isn't exactly ideal. But, I mean, if they can just get the ball to Edwards, I mean, he should be able to do some, like, serious, serious damage against Kentucky, who gave up a zillion yards and a lot of points to a team like New Mexico State, who, you know, I think... Larry Roseless. Yeah, a Larry Roseless one. Oh, right. He's supposed to be back this week. That is exciting. uh, Speaking Speaking of the Sun Belt. Um, But, yeah, also real quickly, uh, if you need a tight end, uh, C.J. Conrad at Kentucky is interesting. I think he had three touchdowns last week. He's a former pretty high recruit. Um, yeah, Steven Johnson, dual threat quarterback. Also, qu- quickly, uh, he, he's worth speculating on in case Drew Barker stays out and they get an easier match. Will. Yeah, um, but yeah, otherwise, Sun Belt. Uh, it's uh, let's see. Larry Rose is supposed to be back this week. I, I don't anticipate him getting a full workload in a first game back from sports hernia surgery. But great to see he's back. He, he was amazing last year. He was uh, as as Bill Connolly noted the uh, basically this the the second most explosive running back in the country behind Dalvin Cook last year. So that that's he's an exciting player, um, but yeah, mar- watch out for Marcus Cox at Appalachian State. He might be out banged up with like an ankle or something like that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of a reason to be a little afraid about six and a half for Appalachian State on the road against an Akron team that is uh, completely unreasonable. But they at least have the ability to do, make big plays on offense with Jerome Lane and and Bruce Natson at receiver. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to think about Matt Breda and that Georgia Southern offense. Like, I'm just Matt, off him until until like I see something that even resembles uh, what you'd expect from Matt Breda. Yeah, but Justin Hansen, quarterback, Arkansas State. If you're in a deeper format, he might be worth speculating on. He's going to take over the starting role against Central Arkansas this week. Arkansas State's been a disaster, but that's mostly because Chad Voidick has been a disaster, and there's no guarantee they get it all fixed. But um, at least there's there's plays to be had there. They go up tempo. And so uh, Hanson, a former JUCO Oklahoma transfer, he he might be throwing the ball quite a bit there. They have a tight end, Blake Mack, who I thought was listed at receiver last year, but he's listed at his tight end now. So maybe take a look to see if he's available in your league because he's he's one of the more productive tight ends through three weeks. Um, John, you mentioned to to start Jordan Chun. Troy running back against New Mexico State. That's uh, that's a, that's a slam dunk pick. I think he's been he's been yes. really good so far. Yeah, he's been he's been absolutely crushing it. You know, not just workload. He's he's averaging over twenty carries a game, uh, one hundred twenty seven yards per game. So you know, he's he's converting his opportunities into into really solid production. And you know, going against a New Mexico State team that gave up a zillion points to uh, Kentucky. You know, conversely, uh, last week um, that they, they just uh, they have they have a lot of trouble of slowing teams down once once uh they get inside like they're 40 wow 20 point favorites is troy yeah so yeah so troy you know provided they can kind of live up to that billing and just kind of catch a quick early lead uh chun should just be able to grind him away and get like a ton of yards so i I envision a pretty big game from him this week nice and uh nick wrote about i don't know if you also were on him but uh dontrell hilliard seems to be pulling away a little bit in that tulane backfield uh, Tulane's at home against uh, Lafayette. I mean, kind of like two home games, I guess, for those guys. Um, but uh, it's it's a uh, five and a half favorites is Tulane. If if that if that comes to fruition, I think Hilliard will have a lot to do with it. Um, not going to catch the ball in an offense that doesn't throw it, but at least he runs a little bit. 
Uh, but yeah, otherwise, uh, Idaho's a mess. I don't know what there's anything to be. Yeah, their quarterback's a little banged up, and yeah, things are not going so hot for them. But um, yeah, we, uh, we 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 were obviously experimenting a little bit, trying to get a more of a season long emphasis into into the uh, podcast, and we'll we'll maybe improve over the year. Who knows? <laughs> um, we'll do our best. We'll we'll, uh, we'll gear it in a little bit here, but um, you know, try to try to focus on more uh, or less less. Uh, we're bad, bad enough at spreads that we should yeah. go back to making this as much about DFS as possible. And yeah, not, without not, being not. explicit about it. So, yeah, so that's a glimpse of kind of where we're going to get this headed uh, moving forward. So, for Mario, I was, I'm John McKechnie. This was the Wednesday College Football Podcast brought to you by the No Halftime app. We will see you again next week.